Talk Radio 570 KVI. It's KVI Want to Know Weekends. KVI Want to Know Weekends. Get ready to raise a toast with Seattle's most spirited hour of talk, Happy Hour Radio. Explore the best in Washington wines, beer, spirits, food, and more with your guide, Seattle sommelier, Christopher Chan. It's Happy Hour Radio, right now on Talk Radio 570 KVI. Well, hello, Seattle. Hello, Peter Santa. Welcome to Happy Hour Radio. I'm your host, Christopher Chan, event sommelier, uh, your captain of cigars and the commodore of cocktails, and I'm the wizard of whiskey, uh, the baron of bourbon, uh, the scholar of scotch. Uh, but maybe I'm not the captain of cigars. You know, when you think about the fall and happy September, everybody, hope you all had a great Labor Day weekend. Wait, yes, Labor Day. Is that right? Yeah. <laughs> uh, back here in the saddle at the the palatial palace of uh, on Fourth Avenue here at KVI, and um, what a great summer! We finally got that sunshine, and it is barbecue time, and also time for some tailgating, time for some whiskeys, getting into the brown spirits as the leaves turn brown. That's when you taste some brown as well. Um, I'm so fortunate. Uh, I've got not only a cool book, uh, two cool books on my desk, but two bottles of. Uh, liquor. One is Four Roses Small Batch Bourbon, one of my favorite um, handcrafted bourbons. And of course, um, an, a scotch from Isla. It's called the Ardebeg, and it's a 10-year-old scotch full of smoke, peat, complexity. And this is all prelude to talk about the world of cigars. And I know there's some issue about the world of tobacco and health warnings and all that, but you know, hey, you're, we're all going to going to that same place <laughs> uh, here on Earth. And I've got the author, uh, uh Contributor to Rob Report. He's an author. His name is Richard Carlton Hacker. He's uh, written a book called The Connoisseur's Guide to Worldwide Spirits, which we've hosted here on the show prior. And now I've got the ultimate cigar book, fourth edition. Richard Carlton Hacker. Hey, welcome back to Happy Hour. Hey, Christopher. Christopher, thanks thanks for having me back. Uh, We had fun last time, and... uh I'm looking forward to this time. Yeah, absolutely. You know, as a sommelier, um, we're supposed to know about the world of beer, spirits, sake, wine, uh, cocktails, cigars. And, and cigars is one of those things that it's, it's really hard to do a lot of research on cigars, especially when you're just on the consumer end. Um, and I'm thrilled to have you on here because you've got this book, the fourth edition, the ultimate cigar book. Uh, let's talk about that. How did you get into cigars? Uh, you know, it was uh, really easy uh, <laughs> um, when I was in college. Um, you know, it was cool to smoke cigars, uh, and I have to preface that I've never done cigarettes. Uh, I personally don't like cigarettes, but cigars were a whole different deal. Uh, they sit on the palate. You don't inhale them as you do with cigarettes. You actually taste the smoke like, like you're tasting wine. Uh, you, you, you know, sip the smoke, and then you blow it out, and you get the flavors on your palate. You don't ingest anything. Anyhow, Given that, and it sounds funny, but given the health uh, attraction to that as opposed to cigarettes, uh, I just started smoking cigars. And, of course, I'm in college, so I've got zero money. So I started smoking the cheapest thing I could find and afford, which was uh, Robert Burns uh, Cigarillos. They're 10 cents a piece, I think. Robert Um, Burns. I think they paid you 10 cents to smoke them. I'm not sure. But (laughs) I gradually worked my way up to uh, Anthony and Cleopatra Grenadiers, ah. which were a little better, but still they were machine-made. And then uh, one day, 
again, not to date myself, but I was uh, just out of school and the Cuban embargo hit and, you know, in 63, and now you can't get, you know, Cuban tobacco. I'd never smoked a Cuban cigar, so I had, they were much too expensive. I had no idea. All I know is you, you want what you can't have. Right. And so uh, Cuban tobacco was verboten in America. You can't, you still can't get it. In fact, you can't sell any Cuban product in, in America. It's the only country in the world like that. But I went into a, a tobacco shop and I saw a box of Oye de Monterey's, which were made in Honduras. Now, there's also an Oye de Monterey made in Cuba. But, of course, again, the embargo. So you had a lot of duplicate brands coming out in non-Cuban countries. Well, here's a box of Oye de Monterey's. And on the lid, the box was open and said, made with real Cuban tobacco. I said, whoa, whoa. So I bought one. I, I think it was like four bucks, which was a lot of money for me. I was just, you know, getting started in the working world. Um, I found out later that the real Cuban tobacco was one leaf. This company had purchased bales of Cuban tobacco and stored it in their warehouses in anticipation of the embargo. The embargo hit. They just took a leaf and put it in their Oye de Monterey high-end cigars. Um, but you could taste it. There was a little sweetness, a little something that didn't have that Honduran meatiness to it. And that's when I started really formulating my philosophy. I said, I would rather smoke one good cigar like this a week than to smoke seven of the El Chipos that I've been smoking. And I've kept that philosophy throughout my life. And, of course... As you go on in life, you learn more, you get better cigars, it's like wines, like whiskeys, you start experimenting, and now it's just become another way to relax. Excellent. Well, it sounds like uh, you figured out the rhythm of life. Uh, in moderation, of course, one a week sounds like very moderate. Um, well, now it's gone up to three a week. Okay. Still, moderation. Amen. Yeah. Well, you know, you're making up for lost time. Uh, let's talk about tobacco. <laughs> Is the tobacco plant the same for everything? Are there, are there different varieties? Oh, no. Uh, I mean, it's a good question. Numerous varieties. Um I, I, you can't even go into them all. In my book, I give you the basics of, you know, the tobaccos. Um, and obviously, terroir plays a big part. Um, there's a great correlation between wines and cigars because they're, they're both agricultural products. Uh, they're both, uh, you know, harvested. They're aged. Um, uh, and then so uh, there's, a, there's a correlation there. And, of course, the variety because you've got basically three tobacco-growing countries other than Cuba. Um, you've got Honduras, you've got Nicaragua, and the Dominican Republic, which is the biggest, of course. And now you've got other countries coming online like Costa Rica and Brazil. There's a, really? a lot of experimentation and hybridization going on. And uh, within those countries, there are numerous kinds of tobacco I mean, in, in the DR, just for example, the Dominican Republic, you've got Cuba Tobacco, I got um, Olor Dominicano, and you've you've got uh, you've got another uh, Cuban native seed plant that's growing in the DR, and now they've got hybrids. So you've got tobacco upon tobacco upon tobacco, and plus where you grow the plant makes a big difference because it's a product of the soil, and then where you harvest the leaves on that plant makes a really big difference. The higher up you go, 
the stronger the tobacco gets, and you don't always want strong tobacco in your cigar. Interesting. Well, it's nice to hear someone talk about the plant as if it, it, it was a, a living thing in terms of we talk about the vine as it, it's a living thing. We talk about hops and, and grain and how it's all part of the earth. Uh, I'm curious, is uh, is the drying process significant to the, the production of, of tobacco? And is if so, how long is the average drying process and how long is, does it take a tobacco plant to become ripe, so to speak? Uh, well, there's a whole bunch of questions. <laughs> the, well, the growing season uh, used to be uh, from, well, they, they don't grow, I'm trying to think out loud here. It's, uh, so it was June to September, harvest in September. Uh, now there's climate change, so there's actually two and sometimes three different growing seasons where they're harvesting sometimes as late as March because you're talking about um Caribbean countries, uh, so you got tropical climates, and uh, and you know you have uh, middle, uh, you know American countries, you know the, uh, Honduras and all of that. So you've got a, a growing cycle, yeah. And once you strip the leaves from the plant, they uh, hang them by strings. They put them in bunches called hands like your hand on your sure. your wrist, call a hand. And uh, it's about 20 leaves to a hand. And they string these things over these long poles called uh, cujes, cujes, C-U-J-E-S. And, they, oh, and so you've got a drying barn with, looks like the rafters are just solid leaves hanging up there. You're like bats hanging down there. But <laughs> it's just these hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of tobacco-draped poles. And the tobacco, of course, is green when it's harvested. And as it dries, it goes to a, a yellow, and then it goes to green. And back in the 50s, they would take it off when it was green and start to make a wrapper out of that. That was called candela. Well, that's very mild, and it's kind of fallen out of favor now. So they typically let the tobacco get to a nice, rich, leathery brown color. They take it off. And then they take these hands, <clears throat> excuse me, take these hands, and they uh, lay them in these giant square bales uh, that can be as they can be as high as six feet high. You're about four feet high and about six feet square, and they it's like a compost pile, if you will. <laughs> There's all this pressure, leaf upon leaf upon leaf. Well, that's the fermentation process, and that's really critical because ah. you got dry leaves, but you can't. Roll them because they're dry. They're they're brittle. Oh, they're, right. But they still have to ferment, and so as they do that, they give off heat. The heat releases sugars, oils, and all these various starches. And it's really a skill. And uh, every uh, two weeks, sometimes more, sometimes less, the worker comes over, picks up the hands, each hand off of these massive bales, shakes it out, shakes out the heat and then puts it back down in reverse order. So he's putting, basically reversing the bale. And this goes on sometimes for months. When that's done, they take the tobacco, they rehumidify it, they mist it with water, Mm -hmm. they mist it, and then they sort it, and they categorize it. If it's going to be a wrapper leaf, it's going to be a binder leaf, or a filler leaf. The filler leaf, of course, is bunched together, and that's held in place by a binder leaf, 
And then that is all wrapped over by the wrapper, which is the most expensive part. And that's what you see when you see a cigar. But what you're not seeing are all these other tobaccos underneath it, all of which combine to give the cigar its eventual flavor. Very interesting. So each, even though it's the same plant, each parts of the plant may be different for different uses. And when you say that, um, are all the is the nicotine and the oils and the flavors um, part of the fermentation process? Is that, or is it part of the drying process, or both? Uh, actually, both. But the fermentation process is much more dramatic. I mean, you walk into a fermentation room, and the uh, odor of ammonia is uh, overwhelming. It's over. It's all coming from the plants. You know, it's a, yeah, it's just going to knock you out. So they can hang upside down. You smell ammonia. You probably think you're in a bad cave. Uh, yeah, I think so. <laughs> <laughs> uh, when I think about different leaves, and I talk about terroir, is, is tobacco grown on the plains, grown on hillsides? We talk about high-elevation coffee or high-elevation vineyards. Tell me about where tobacco grows best in the tropics. Yeah, that's interesting. Um, there's really no south-facing tobacco fields like you would have with with vineyards you know is it facing east sure. or north or you know is it getting fog you're you're not going to get much fog in these tobacco growing countries it's all a matter of two things sunlight or they also have shade grown tobacco mm-hmm. where it's you know they actually have a gauze like uh, canopy right that they drape over these tobacco fields uh and that produces a different kind of tobacco. You'll see them advertise shade-grown tobacco. Uh-huh. Uh, it just has a different flavor. Uh, it's usually uh, a little milder, and um, it's, which is funny. You think it'd be stronger, but it's not. I'm talking generalities, of course. Um, and and the color is usually darker than sun-grown. Um, and yeah, they grow tobacco on hills, but most of the uh, most of the tobacco fields are relatively flat land, not like the, the Great Plains flat, but, you know, undulating, you know, gentle hills. That's what the terrain is. That's what the Chihuahua is like. I love it. Hey, I'm speaking with Richard Carlton Hacker, who is the author of The Ultimate Cigar Book, and uh, I also have two bottles of uh, liquid refreshment, Four Roses, Small Batch Bourbon, and Ardbeg. We're going to talk about more about cigars and perhaps some perfect pairings right here on Happy Hour Radio. He's live, he's local, he's all Northwest. Lars Larson, weekdays noon to 3, talk radio 570 KVI. KVI Want to Know Weekends continue. Now back to Happy Hour Radio with Christopher Chan. Hey, welcome back to Happy Hour Radio. Time for round two. I got two glasses in front of me, two books in front of me, two bottles of liquid refreshment as well. And on the line, one cool cat, Richard Carlton Hacker. He is uh, hes a master of his craft. He's an author, a contributor to the Rob Report, uh, a whiskey enthusiast as well. And we think about certain things of uh, victory, the human human element, uh, and champagne, right? Champagne. And, and victory, I, yeah. I deserve it. In defeat, I need it. And then we think about victories. We think about the victory cigar or the having a baby. A cigar has been the symbol of, uh, what is that symbol? Is it? luxury is it is it celebratory tell me what the symbol of the cigar has meant to you um it's all that basically it's, it's luxury uh and it can be celebratory though i mean 
but I guess what it really means to me right now at this point in my life is, and a lot of people also that I've talked to, uh, relaxation, the big R word, relaxation. You know, you know, we're so hectic today in the informational age, and we're running around, and I'm running around, and, you know, the end of every day. And I have to say, cocktail hour is my favorite time of day. Um, <laughs> it's like my happy hour, like your show, because uh, I get to sit down with my wife and just talk and have a drink and after that we have dinner and then i go on the porch and i have a cigar and a snifter and boy you could just feel like oh it's like a transcendental (laughs) experience all your problems are kind of drifting off on that cigar smoke so it's a big relaxation and i've talked to a lot of chefs who smoke cigars um Guys like Charlie Palmer and Michael Mina, they, these are serious cigar smokers. Um, um, That's fun. Thomas Keller is really, really? He's got a cigar that he helped design. And, <laughs> I, I talked to I talked to them about this, and they all say they smoke to relax. At the end of the day, you know, usually early in the morning when there's you know the restaurants closed down, and they're you know, yes, it's 3 a.m. They fire up the stogie <laughs> and they can just sit back. And that's kind of what I do. And that's what that's what it is, really. Just a way to relax. I understand that. It's, it's definitely time that you're taking for yourself because a cigar is an hour, an hour and a half adventure, you know, it, in most cases. And you can really just sort of relax and, and uh, contemplate uh, life and uh, luxury in this case. Uh, we're talking about cigars. We talked about different leaves that they're fermented and, and uh, they're also, uh, there's the fill, there's the binder, and then there's the wrapper. When we think of different uh, countries, what's the primary difference in, in the, the grade of tobacco or the qualities uh well that depends upon the grower actually uh if you're actually if you're if you're saying who has the best soil all three of those countries um and four if we include cuba have top grade soil um the characteristics of the soil of course, again, depends on the seed. There's all kinds of seeds. There's Cuban seed, non-Cuban seed. There's Ecuadorian seed. You know, and then you got shade grown. So you got all all these variables. But um, Nicaragua, excuse me, got a frog in my throat. There he goes across the room. Uh, Nicaragua has uh, the closest thing to Cuban soil because. It's got an earthiness to it, you know, underlying earthiness. Uh, that's sometimes dominant, sometimes subdominant, but it's there someplace. Uh, Cuba also has a nice mild earthiness to its, you know, t- tobacco that's grown there. Um, uh, Dominican is a little milder. There's sometimes a little real subtle sweetness, not even a sugary sweetness, just like if you took some simple syrup, put it on your finger, rinsed your finger off, licked your finger, <laughs> that kind wow. of faraway sweetness and, and a, a smooth mildness with Dominican cigars. And Honduran cigars, uh, again, we're going generalities here, but there's always been a meatiness to it, like a little meatiness, you know? Interesting. And a lot of the cigars I liken to, oh, this is a porterhouse steak. Oh. No, this is a filet. No, this is a Wagyu. So that's kind of the differences of the countries. The soil depends on where the soil is, what kind of uh, planting they did, and all these other variables. Again, a great correlation with wine. 
I like that. Uh, and tell me, how large is a tobacco plant seed? Uh, how large is it what? How large is the seed? Is it like uh, a chia seed? Is it like a pumpkin seed? Is it like, I mean, what's the seed, the seed like? Yeah, yeah. It's, um, boy, just like a seed, uh, Christopher. No, it's, <laughs> it's um, just losing my fingers The here. size of a pea? The size of a sunflower seed? What's, I don't, I'm trying to think. Like, I, it's like a sunflower seed, exactly. Okay. Very good. Yeah, like a sunflower seed. And how tall do and these plants grow? In little, uh, little tiny pots, because they're very delicate. I see. So they have a nursery, and they have all these little tiny, you know, seedlings. They have these little pots, and then when they get about uh, oh two inches high, they take them out and they take them to the field. Wow! And then they replant them in the fields, and then they can grow, you know. You know, pretty high. What's seven that? Feet high, seven feet. feet? High. Interesting. And and how far? How much space do they need? Is it like uh, uh, agave, where they need uh, basically nine feet between each, or six feet between each, or what? No, no. Actually, you're talking maybe about three feet between plants. Interesting. All right. And uh, why? How many different cigar sizes are there? And is there is there, is there a uh, international uh, scale for cigars? I can know that this is. This this fits the certain size and weight of a I don't know a, I don't even know the names of cigars. <laughs> yeah, well, um, there are basic sizes of cigars. Um, the largest basic size, is, and they give them all. It starts to get confusing. Churchill. Churchill. Churchill oh, right. Seven and a quarter, roughly by you know forty-eight. That's a <laughs> oh the band smoke. size, right? Really yeah. Uh, but no one's got two hours to smoke anymore. Um, <laughs> the most popular size right now, um, I could change tomorrow, But uh, and my favorite size, by the way, is the Robusto. Robusto. So R-U-B-U-S-T-O, which means robust, but it, it's not a robust cigar. It's just the name they call it, and that's roughly four and a half to five inches long by 50 ring. And cigars are measured in diameter, by something called a ring gauge. It's the only uh, industry in the world that uses this uh, definition. And a ring is 164th of an inch. So if you uh, have a, uh, a 32 ring, that'd be half an inch. Got it. So Robusto is a 5 by uh, by 50. Um, you've got Panatellas, which used to be really popular. They're kind of coming back. It's a, it's a longer, thinner cigar. You've got a Lonsdale which is a long, thin cigar. It's at a 44 ring, and um, that was really popular in England, of course. In fact, the Earl of Lonsdale is the one who gave it its name back around the turn of the last century. Um, so it goes on and on. And you've got, you know, they, you, they've got cigars called figurados, figured cigars, figurados. Figurado cigar is something that is atypical, um, like a, it's called a torpedo. Oh, yeah. It has a... Perfecto tip, which means the tip goes down into a narrow, you know, like a nose of a torpedo, if you will. Yeah. And it's easy to clip. That's the part you put in your mouth. That's called the head. You clip it, and then right. it uh, gets bigger, then it goes to the foot, and uh, you don't, you just like that. So they got figurados, they've got parejos, which are the regular tubular cylindrical cigars, and then you've got multiple shapes in between there. And it gets confusing because a lot of companies are giving their cigars their name. I see. Um, like there's a Toro, which is a medium-length thick cigar, 
and now they got a Toro Grande. Well, they didn't have a Toro Grande back in the 1920s and 30s. That's relatively new. So, you know, it gets a little confusing. I like it. You got the big bull, huh? I got the bull, the baby bull. Uh, yeah, that's and- Just look at a shape that you like. You know, first you find a cigar that you like, and then you find a, a shape that you're comfortable with. Some people don't like big ring gauges. Um, they like smaller ring gauges because you get more intense smoke. Yeah. But I like a big ring gauge because it's just a fuller smoke. Like taking a bigger sip of wine. Uh huh. Well, I like that. And is there a, sp- a special? Um, I mean, how long does a cigar last? If I go to the store, or and I know that I go to a humidor and I find a nice cigar, whether it's in a tube or it's in a wrapper or just not in a wrapper, how long does that last um, in in a regular room scenario? Is it a week? Do I need to put it? And how would I care for it to make sure it lasts longer? Oh, well, if, um, if, assuming it's properly humidified to begin with, uh, it'll and depending on where you live, too, uh, Christopher, because if you're living in Florida, you don't have a problem because it's pretty humid there. If you're living in Arizona, you have more of a problem because you got that dry heat. Right. But all things being equal, you can take it home and leave it for about two, maybe three days. If you're going to go longer than that, then I suggest you you get a. If you're serious about it, you, you buy a humidor, which is basically a box that is sealed, usually made of wood with a cedar lining, uh, cedar because that helps spice the cigar. And when mm. these cigars are aged at the factory, they're aged in cedar rooms with cedar shelves. So you can buy a humidor. If you don't want to go for that cash outlay, uh, you get a Ziploc bag. <laughs> and there's a device called the Bovida. All right. B-O-V-E-D-A. And it's a two-way humidifying packet. They're not very expensive. Tobacco to sell them. You take a Ziploc bag, you put your cigars in there, drop in a Bovita, and that thing will last for at least a month. I love it. Talking to Richard Carlton Hacker. Hey, folks, be right back. Talking more cigars and some Four Roses right here on Happy Hour Radio. Start your day the right way. The Commute with Carlson, live and local, weekdays 6 to 9 a.m., Talk Radio 570, KVI. You're in the know with KVI Want to Know Weekends. Here's more Happy Hour Radio with Christopher Chan. All right, Seattle. Hey, happy September. Hope you're watching some football. And maybe you've got that victory cigar waiting to be lit up and enjoyed. And not only by itself, but probably with a friend, unless you uh, are shamed into the corner of the, the, the patio and you get to wax poetic about life and uh, the serenity of actually having time to yourself and smoking a cigar, which is a very human thing. I think we've had tobacco for, well, let's ask Richard, Richard Carlton Hacker, how long has tobacco been around? that we know of. It's been around a little over 500 years. They were growing it in uh, Hispaniola, which is where the DR and Haiti is now. And, uh, you know, Cuba, of course, they would be growing it there. In fact, uh, Columbus found the Teno Indians growing this leaf and uh, rolling it up into tubes. They weren't doing wrapper binder filler like we do today. Just taking that basic leaf, rolling it into tubes, sticking one end in the fire and like a big straw and sucking through it. That was, uh, you know, back in the you know 1490s. So, 
Yeah, and it was going on before that, too. But we know <laughs> at least 500 years. And he, of course, Columbus brought it back to Spain. Uh, it caught on among the wealthy uh, because the poor people couldn't afford it. And that which is how, how cigars kind of started to get their image of a luxury product. Uh, and then it went over and uh, got picked up uh, in England, and then it finally made it to America. So... I kind of digressed from your question, but it's been around a long time. No, that's good. I was just watching a program, Elizabeth, and Sir Walter Raleigh was there. Ah. And it made me think, of course, of Raleigh, North Carolina, and my grandma used to smoke Raleigh cigarettes. <laughs> oh, boy. She was, I, she was quite a woman. <laughs> she was. She was an old Milwaukee girl, and uh, rest her soul. Um, so when we think about cigars, uh, we think about it's typically a post-dinner or, or a celebratory thing. We're, we're doing sitting down and, and talking, but usually drinking. And tell me some great pairings when it comes to pairing a beverage with a cigar. Oh, yeah. I mean, you can go on and on on this. And I've got a whole chapter, actually, in um, the Ultimate Cigar Book devoted to spirits and smoke. Um, and I keep up updating that because new spirits keep coming out and new cigars keep coming out. But um, the main thing you want to do, uh, this is just my own philosophy, you you'd, you don't want to have a cigar that's stronger than your drink, and you don't want to have a drink that's stronger than your cigar, because yeah. one's going to negate the other. So what's the point? Um, I think what you want to do is get something that's compatible. I didn't say taste the same, because they don't, but that's compatible. So you smoke um, you know, a light cigar with a, with a light-tasting whiskey, um, and you smoke a heavy So Like you mentioned Ardbeg. Um, Someone always says, well, what's what's the uh, smokiest whiskey? Well, there's a lot of smoky whiskeys coming off of I Love, but Ardbeg 10-year-old, i got to say, Christopher, it's probably the smokiest. I mean, they have older Ardbegs, older in terms of age, but as it gets older, that smoke gets a little softer, a little sweeter. Ardbeg is like a big sock in the mouth. Wow, boy, woof. You know, what am I going to have with this thing? It's like being um, in a smokehouse. I got tons of bacon on that first whiff. It was really delicious smelling. Oh, yeah, yeah. It's uh, it's great. I mean, the best time to smoke Ardbeg, I think, is, you know, when it's cold outside and exactly. raining, which unfortunately it doesn't get where I live in California. <laughs> oh, but, come uh, on up, buddy. <laughs> you can meet my father. We'll smoke cigars. <laughs> well, well, it does, boy. I mean, it's, that's just a, a, a great, great drink. And, of course, uh, the first cigar that comes to mind, I just did this. I didn't do a pairing. I just picked a cigar to go with the whiskey a couple of weeks ago. It's a cigar called the Re- Regius, R-E-G-I-U-S, Regius. And... Uh, it's on. It's on it's all Nicaraguan. I think it back. It's an all Nicaraguan cigar. They just came out with a Maduro. Oh. Maduro is basically refers to the wrapper, and right. it's been aged longer than a non-Maduro, so the flavors are more intense. And boy, I smoked that Regius with a snifter of straight Ardbeg. I put one cube in the Ardbeg to kind of bring out a little bit of that citrus, a little bit of under thing. And also to, to just to dilute the smoke but boy that was that was a spot on uh bearing as far as I'm concerned. Very cool. I know that um so there's there's mild cigars, there are robust cigars, there are perhaps some spice. And we talk about tobacco, there's a whole range of different flavors and of course the size will will help uh 
transmit the temperature of the smoke, right? A bigger cigar will have is it a, a, a less temperature of smoke. Is a hotter cigar, a smaller cigar? The, the, the smaller the ring gauge, the bigger cigar, yeah, because the smoke is actually filtering down back through all the tobacco. Right. So a short, stubby cigar will smoke a little hotter than a longer cigar. And thinner cigars generally will smoke a little hotter because they're thinner than a nice big bigger ring gauge. Sure. Plus you with your you're getting the same amount of draw with your with your breath, so you're burning right. that one a little hotter cuz you've got more draw per square uh, inch or centimeter whatever it is. All right. See, we no, talk no, right. yeah, we exactly. talk math and di- physics. Just, think of the cigars a pipe, you know, you're just funneling more smoke through a narrower pipe. So, which is why I like bigger ring gauges, but that's me. I love it. Well, you know, I've always been a fan of uh, whiskey, and Four Roses Small Batch is here. I know that uh, they are a double gold medal award-winning whiskey. Um, and Absolutely, yeah. And I've enjoyed it because I love the vanilla notes that come out of here. It's more vanilla than oak, and I know that vanilla is a part of the oak process, that you get the sugars and the vanillins in there, but to me, a lot of the, the bourbons that come out and whiskeys can come out can be too tannic with too much oak that, that has hasn't really had a time to flavor out, but four rows of small batch, vanilla, smooth, delicious. It reminds me, what would you pair? What cigar would you pair with a four rows of small batch bourbon? Well, that, that's a, um, to me, it's a nice middle of the road, medium. I think you used the word mellow, and boy, it, it is. Uh, I mean, I get I get red berries in there. I get, I get some dried spice in there. Um, Macanudo. A little bit of dried autumn spice. Uh, it just, it's a smooth, easy drinking bourbon. I know I'm having um, some right now. <laughs> and I'm, just, I'm just thinking as I'm talking now, because I've, I've had cigars with this. I'm trying to think what I... I said Macanudo. I'm thinking Macanudo. Um, there's a, a try, I'm sorry, go ahead. I'm thinking Macanudo. Yeah, and I'm thinking of Macanudo. There's a, there's a Macanudo Black, which has a little Lajero in it. It's a little stronger cigar. And there's a new one they just came out with, and it's called... Uh, uh, Macanudo, Connecticut. So they took the basic Macanudo filler and binder recipe, which they've had for years. That's Dominican, and right? Dominican wrapper yeah. on it, and that works really well with that uh, small batch four roses. That's a perfect one. Uh, I'll, I'm digging it. I wish we could have cigars here in the studio. No. <laughs> but, uh, no. People ask me, well, do you smoke in your office? I No, my, my office is a fire trap. Uh, I've got papers stacked all over the place here. I don't dare light up. Like I go outside on my porch. I like that. <laughs> and you have the book, The Ultimate Cigar Book, which has a host of information about cigars, the history, uh, some pairings, and also etiquette, which I think is, is very appropriate these days. As, as life gets faster and faster, people forget about the comfort of hospitality and the etiquette that we that we uh, uh, exude or, or uh, practice to really appreciate that said hospitality. So uh, from an etiquette standpoint, do you always light your neighbor's cigar first, or do you light yours first, or do you, is everyone on their own? Well, typically cigar smokers want to light their own cigars. Got it. Okay. Um, and that's really interesting when, you know, you have a sommelier uh, uh, in a restaurant where you can smoke, or if you're on board ship, Outside, they sometimes have cigar yeah. sommeliers, and the sommelier will almost always ask, uh, would you like me to light your cigar? Well, sometimes it's fun to have him or her do that and watch them clip it, and they light it with a cedar wick. Um, but they don't put it in their mouth, right? They don't, like, start um, puffing on it. Sometimes people want to do their own cigar, and in that case, 
it, it doesn't matter who goes first. It really doesn't. But what I often do when I go out, I carry extra cigars with me. I have a th- called a three-finger case. It's hold three cigars. Uh, not fingers, but <laughs> it holds three cigars. Well, one is for me to smoke afterwards, after I get out of the restaurant. Um, and then I have two others that I call gift cigars. They're good cigars, and I, if a waiter is really, really, really good, I'll ask him if he smokes cigars. And in addition to a tip, I'll give him a cigar. Uh, if I know the chef smokes a cigar and he's on duty that night, I will always send one back to the chef. And without a doubt, the chef always comes out to the table to thank me for it. And the same thing uh, with, with a maitre d' or a psalm. If they smoke cigars and they do a good job, that's the, that's the <laughs> you know, dividing line. I, I love to give cigars out. I know they're expensive, but, you know, if a guy's really good, you give him $10. If he's really good, you give him a $10 cigar. I think a lot of people will appreciate that $10 cigar more. Uh, so fun. Speaking with Richard Carlton Hacker, we got one more segment. I got some more questions talking about the world cigars and, of course, enjoying some Four Roads of Small Batch bourbon and Ardbeg right here on Happy Hour Radio. He's loud. He's proud. Holding nothing back. Michael Savage. The Savage Nation. Weeknights 9 to midnight. Talk Radio 570. KVI. Now more KVI Want to Know Weekends. Back to Happy Hour Radio with Christopher Chan. All right, Seattle. Happy September. Do you remember? It's, uh... Well, fall's not here. It's Indian summer, and we love the Indians because Native Americans have these rituals. They pass the peace pipe, and perhaps it was a cigar at one point. I've got Richard Carlton <laughs> Hacker, who is the uh, aficionado of uh, all things uh, luxurious and hedonistic. Well, <laughs> as long as this is about cigars and whiskey cocktails. He's got two books. The first is The Connoisseur's Guide to Worldwide Spirits, which uh, I have. Um, super cool book. And then the second is The Ultimate Cigar Book fourth edition how when what made the fourth edition so unique and so uh, uh imperative that you put us a new edition well you know things keep changing in the cigar world even though it's been around for you know half a millennium um but uh the new brands kept coming out uh castro died that wasn't in the first three editions <laughs> okay. uh, i keep learning things you know the as you know, Christopher, the more we go on through life, the, the more we learn. In my case, the more I realize I, I don't know anything. That's right. The more we, we, we know, I we don't know something. I, you know, so I go to, I, I go back to Cuba. I go to, I go to Scotland four times a year. Yeah. Uh, people, people keep saying, "Why do you go back? Why do you go back?" Because every time I go there, I learn something new. I'll talk to a distiller. I'll talk to a cooper, you know, a barrel maker. Somebody will just say something over dinner, over drinks. Say, wow, I didn't know that. I'm learned. So anyhow, I just had enough information. I said, this, i got to do a new book. So I did, and I took some additional photographs, up, updated everything, except how cigars are made. That hasn't changed. Uh, the shapes, that hasn't changed. How to pick a perfect cigar, that's a whole chapter. That hasn't changed. Uh, but the smoking laws have changed, how to deal with that. And, of course, that last chapter, the Compendium of International Brands, has pretty much every cigar in the world telling you its history, 
and how it smokes so you can make an intelligent decision walking into a tobacconist. I love that. Uh, so cool. I've got the book in front of me, and I'm just looking. Oh, I don't see Swisher Sweets. What happened? <laughs> uh, you know what? It is mentioned in there, but not as a smoking thing. I just mentioned how many millions and billions they sell every year. So I think it's somewhere in the first or second chapter. Yeah, it's it's kind of one of the, I don't know, it's it's pop culture, right? You see those in gangster, <laughs> gangster rap videos? I'm not sure. Okay, so a uh, website to find more information about you and your book, The Ultimate Cigar Book? Yeah, it's, it's my name, richardcarltonhacker.com, and Carlton spelled with an E, C-A-R-L-E-T-O-N. People always leave the E, uh, the silent E. Right. richardcarltonhacker, one word, dot com. Got it. And that's my website. You'll get there. You'll see my books. You'll see uh, a lot of places I've been. It's, uh, it's, it's sadly way not dated up to the current time. Yeah, I know. I Websites, got my man. spirits book in there, but um, it, it, it's as updated as it's going to be right now. All right, Richard and Carlton Hacker. That... on Amazon.com. They oh. can get it in any bookstore that will order it for them if they don't stock it. Uh, BarnesandNoble.com has it, uh, but Amazon.com has the best prices. Well, we I, know uh, Amazon here. Very familiar. Good stuff. All right, so RichardCarltonHacker.com. Now, final question, Cohiba. Um, why uh-huh. do I want to smoke Cohibas, and why do I not want to smoke Cohibas? Okay, well, first, there are two Cohibas. There's the uh, Cohiba that is made in Cuba. It came out in the 1960s. That was Castro's secret private cigar he gave to all the VIPs. In 1982, uh, he decided to sell it worldwide, so it was no longer exclusive, and they needed another cigar, and that was the Trinidad. But in the meantime, there's a major cigar company in, uh, here, based in America, with factories in the Dominican, called General Cigar. <laughs> and because Cohiba couldn't be sold in this country, and nobody could get them, they said, let's make a Dominican Cohiba. So they did. So now, in America, you can buy a Cohiba made in the Dominican Republic, and uh, it's a fantastic cigar. They just came out with a new, you won't believe there's a new $90 version of it, which is made with uh, really, really old tobacco, a limited edition. In fact, I, uh, I'll be writing about it in Rob Report uh, uh, probably uh, in December. Um, but there are lesser expensive Cohibas made in the deal that you can get. And then you've got the Cuban Duiva, which which can't be sold in this country because it's Cuban. But it's the most popular cigar elsewhere in the world because, again, a Cuban product, and it's all Cuban tobacco. All of uh, Cuban cigars are made with all Cuban tobacco, whereas non-Cuban cigars are made with any combination of, of tobaccos from any country they want to except Cuba, of course. Wow. You know, Richard Carlton Hacker, um, this has been a true delight. The world of cigars has always been a little mystery, a little shrouded in, in clouds of smoke. Smoke? <laughs> um, but you've enlightened it. The Ultimate Scar Book, fourth edition, available at richardcarltonhacker.com and, of course, Amazon. Um, I'm enjoying this Four Roses Bourbon, fourrosesbourbon.com, and, of course, the Taste of Ardbeg. Hey, man, good to talk to you again. Thanks so much for joining me on Happy Hour Radio. That was great, Christopher. Thanks, thanks so much for you and those great questions. I really enjoyed this. All right. Hey, folks, remember when you're out and about enjoying Four Roses, life is always better with a designated driver. Cheers!